This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. And welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 309. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Family Gamers Podcast. We are super excited to bring another show to you, 309. This is the number that is divisible by three. I know that it because it's three and nine. They add together, it's 12. 12 divisible by three. That's how you know that. That is not my fact this week. Man. I mean, I'm just excited that we're not doing this at 10 o'clock at night, so I actually have energy. Also good, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We are the Family Gamers. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful and amazing and beautiful and all of those other things wife, Anitra. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and it is an odd-numbered show, you can tell, because I already said 309, and so did you, I think. Yes. Um, and that means we have a guest. I am very excited. We have a guest on the show that we've been trying to get on the show for two years. Did you know that it's been two years? No. I mean, pandemic time, right? I know, I know. Everything yeah, is everything is a mess, together, right? right? So we have we have Sue Sheldon on the show. How you doing, Suze? I'm excellent, and I cannot believe it's been two years. But <laughs> hey, better late than never, I guess. Yeah, yes, hey, exactly. whatever. It's all good. It's all good. No, I mean, we correspond enough on Twitter, and, and there's enough random commentary about kids playing board games or maybe not playing board games. There's like maybe we should just see if we can get Suzanne on the show. That would be great. And so finally, we managed to do it because of a very particular reason, which if you already looked at the name of the show, you probably know this, but there's this really cool thing happening in the Unmatched universe. Yes. So we're going to talk about second in half. In the second half of the show. Of the show. First half of the show. As always, we talk about a fact. I have a fact. Are you laughing because you saw the fact? No, I'm, I'm laughing because you seem excited and yet uh this is just not 10 o'clock andrew oh. is what this is <laughs> oh, is that what it is <laughs> all right anitra i love barbecue yes um i think you like barbecue but i, I like love barbecue. barbecue okay yeah. and in searching for a fact for the number 309 sometimes again this is easy sometimes it's hard i found a book with 309 barbecue recipes in it it's a weird number but okay. that's a lot of recipes for one particular type of food yeah. in one book uh now i want barbecue <laughs> my birthday is next week can we get barbecue for my birthday? Probably. Probably. Okay. All right, here we go. Anyway, here's the quote that goes along with the book. Maybe it's on the back of the book. I don't know. This is the quote on Amazon. The most ambitious book yet by America's best-selling award-winning grill expert whose barbecue Bible books have over 4 million copies in print. Setting out again on the barbecue trail four years ago, Stephen Raiklin visited 60 countries wow. and collected 309 of the tastiest, most tantalizing, easy to make, and guaranteed to wow recipes from every corner of the globe. Okay. So right. what's this amazing barbecue book called? Planet Barbecue. And now I'm hungry. You're welcome. <laughs> so that's my fact about the, the episode number 309. I, I'm really, I might have to farm out another couple of these to Michael, who offered me three and I've only taken only up used one, so far. one of them. But these facts are getting progressively harder to find. I'm starting to like collect things. Like when I look for 309, I was like, oh, that's 315. I'm going to put that in the kitty You're for keep that. six episodes yes. from now. So so anyway, um, so that's our fact about the number 309. Planet Barbecue. We also have a fact from our sponsor. It's time for a message from our sponsor, First Move Financial. As a reminder, First Move is letting us know how they would work with a young family earning a combined $100,000 with a net worth of around $25,000 and the goals of buying a home and starting a family in the next few years. 
Here's a note from Donnie. An early topic I address with every client is their emergency fund. In this example, it seems like the couple is at that point where they finally feel like they're making progress, but they haven't saved enough for a home down payment and still have some debts hanging out. So one of the first things I would challenge this pretend couple to do is open a high interest savings account and start putting a few hundred dollars a month into it. What I want to do is have them build a small emergency fund because most emergencies can be handled with $1,000. And at the same time, we're starting to get a feel for how much we can reduce their discretionary spending to save and to pay down debt. With the money going into savings, it can always be pulled back out. Once we find an amount where they are stretched but comfortable, we can start paying extra on debts and make sure their credit score is in a good place to buy a house. Thanks again to First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the show. So at this point, it's time to talk about what we've been playing. Yes, let's talk about what we've been playing. And as is tradition, Suze, you get to go first. Oh, What games have you been playing? What have you been playing? So many great games. It's a really (laughs) exciting time of the year, of course, as new things start to roll out with the convention Mm -hmm. season and stuff like that. So the Mm -hmm. first one I want to bring up is Fife, F-Y-F-E. And I'll be honest, I have no idea why it's called Fife. We were, we even tried to like Google it while we were playing it. We weren't (laughs) quite sure. sure, sure, sure. This is from Pegasus Spiele and it plays up to five, which I really, really like. And it's a tile laying game, essentially. And you've got this board, it's all beachy themed, and you're going to be drawing little circular tiles out of a bag and just placing them on a board. Easy peasy. Everybody can play simultaneously pretty much except for drawing the tiles. So it plays really quickly and it keeps everybody engaged during the whole game. But ultimately, each of these tiles has three characteristics, a number, a color, and an icon on it. So maybe you have a green one flower, or maybe you have a yellow three turtle. Cool. And you're going to be placing these tiles on the board trying to maximize row and column scoring. Okay. The element that I really, really like is that you get to determine how rows and columns score. So you have these little tiles, they look like surfboards, that after you place a tile, you can place these surfboards aligned with a row or column that points at that tile. And those surfboards may say, hey, all five tiles in this row need to be the same color. They can be any number, any icon, but they all have to be the same color. Or maybe one of the surfboards says all of the icons must be different and things like that. So you're placing tiles, you're placing scoring surfboards, and you're trying to maximize so that as you're placing tiles, they fulfill kind of multiple scoring scenarios. Inevitably, you're not going to score everything. You kind of have to figure out when it's time to give up and when you keep on leaning in to try to get that high scoring surfboard. There's a little bonus if you can score a surfboard first and you just play until your five by five grid is full and then you see what your points are. Mm-hmm. It's quick. It's easy. I mean, really, from my explanation, you could go grab this game and play it. It's super, super yeah. straightforward and simple. But oh, the brain twistiness of yeah. trying to make all those tiles work. There is the randomness of pulling those tiles And kind of the balance of figuring out when you need to pivot. It's super fun. I've really enjoyed it. It hurts a little bit, but in the good way that, you know, games (laughs) can hurt you. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Fife has been a big hit for me. I pulled it up on BGG because where else would I go while you were talking about it? And it looks like the German edition came out last year. Is it 
in English now or is it coming to the States or like what's yes. the situation? Yeah, Pegasus Spiele had it at Gen Con and that's where I got my copy. And okay, cool. so it'll be in U.S. stores. If it's not already, it'll be in U.S. distribution and in U.S. stores if, if that's something that people cool. want to check out. Well, I'm going to say that description of the brain burniness with simple decisions makes me think of one of the games that I played this week, which is Jekyll versus Hyde. Ooh, this one looks so good. It's amazing. It is a two-player trick-taking game. And my first reaction was, how do you make a two-player trick-taking game even work? Because, I mean, it's one person puts a card down and the other person puts a card down, beats it, whatever. The key here is that the main mechanic is that Jekyll wants the two players to have as close to the same number of one tricks as possible. Make the difference as small as possible. So like five and five would be perfect, but four and six is not too bad. Hyde wants to maximize the difference. So Hyde wants to either go all in on winning every trick or losing every trick. And sometimes you have to change your strategy in the middle. And sometimes you have to change your strategy (laughs) partway through. Yeah. So there's a couple of other things that can change how cards are evaluated and stuff along the way. But that's the main bit is like one player wants to win it all or lose it all. And the other player is like, no, 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 we're going to keep this nicely balanced between the two of us. You play across three rounds. And at the end of every round, that difference is how far this little Jekyll and Hyde pawn moves on a little board. And so Hyde's goal is to get the pawn to the end of the board by the end of the third round. Um, And if he does, he wins. Jekyll's goal is to not let that happen. (laughs) You know, if he can keep the pawn away from the end, then he wins. But the pawn can never move backwards, only forwards. Yeah, they also do this other really interesting thing with the game where there's three colors of cards. So your cards are numbered one through six. Seven, I think. Yeah, it's three suits. But there's three suits or colors or whatever and the first suit that gets played is the weakest and then the next one is a little bit stronger and then the third one is is stronger still and so obviously when you're playing this someone plays a card you have to follow suit but if you can't you can play anything you want to but the thing is that the number doesn't matter anymore once once there are multiple suits a a different suit and it's just the stronger suit wins it really changes the dynamics because it's not you may or may not want to run out of a certain color so that you can kind of control the game a little bit because that's how you do that with trick-taking games. To make this more complex, there are some of these potion cards which don't have a suit. When different potion cards are played, different effects happen depending on the suit of the other card. The other card in the trick. (laughs) In the trick. And so, like, if the other card is red, then the three tokens that indicate the power of the relative suits are reset and they get played again. If it is yellow, oh gosh, what happens uh, if it's it, yellow? Well, there's not really a yellow. Uh, there's uh, the pink and the green. Uh, I, I'm, well, I must be thinking of pink then. So if it's the pink, then whoever won that trick takes an additional already been won trick from the other player. Right. And if it's green, I think they swap. You and if swap it's a green, cards. you swap up to two cards yeah. between the two players. So all of those potion cards can also make you go, oh man you know what, I'm going to play this now on his pink card and then I'm going to take that additional trick. You know, so like if you're doing the hide all in, I just want to win and win and win and win. That can be really helpful. Or if you're Jekyll and you're a little bit behind, you're like, oh, but I can play this one and I'll win this trick and then take one more trick back. That's a really cool mechanic. And also 
the fact that the suits are always changing. You can't depend on always knowing what's going to overpower other cards. You may have a tactical advantage of playing a potion to get the tokens off because say you have a lot of green cards or something and you're like well i want those green cards to be more powerful and right now green is the weakest suit or maybe the opposite you'll be like i have been winning too many tricks yeah, i need or, to make these green cards right. weaker yeah, yeah. so it, i can lose it, tricks it gives you the ability to change that power dynamic yeah which is really really cool so i like it a lot yeah it's uh, really cool. sounds so fun <laughs> it's also super fast yeah, have you played Fox in the Forest or Claim, um, a couple of other two-player trick-taking games? I'm familiar with Fox in the Forest, but no, we haven't played it. Well, if you <laughs> like trick-taking and you're intrigued by two-player trick-taking games, I enjoy both of those, and you have made me... I'm definitely getting Jekyll and Hyde. I can't avoid it any longer. So it's Jekyll versus Hyde. Yeah, it's Jekyll versus Hyde. Jekyll versus Hyde. Thank you. It's this tiny box game. We got turned on to Royal Visit last year. Have you played Royal Visit from Yellow? Yeah, yeah, from Yellow. Which we love that game. But Jekyll versus Hyde, it's got a lot of that same kind of back and forth thing Mm -hmm. with, uh, even though I guess you're not really going back and forth. But But it feels like it. it, It's it's kind of that opposite pressure thing. Uh, Jekyll versus Hyde goes way faster than Royal Visit does. Royal Visit. I'm not going to say that it can drag because I think that it's always an intense game because it's still a pretty fast game anyway. Yeah. But Jekyll vs. Hyde is even faster than that. Yeah, I agree. Excellent. So, yeah. And it comes with this cool, like, bust of, I guess, Dr. Jekyll. It's both. It's a two, it's oh, a two-faced oh, yeah, I bust. Guess right. yeah. So, so on, one one side, on one side, it's Jekyll and on the other side, it's Hyde. It's, it's really cool. It's heavy. It's like a big chunk. It's, it's like a metal... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. whatever. A little metal mini. Um, so that that's a good game. That's a good uh, pick for the first game that you're going to talk about. The first game I'm going to talk about is another game from Flat River Group, and that is Beta. So I did not play this one, uh, but I saw you playing it, and it, it uses that overlay puzzle yeah. mechanic. Yeah, so, okay. So this is a mechanic. The first time I ever saw this mechanic was in a game called Ship Shape, published by Calliope, but uh, designed by Rob Davio, who I know you know. Yeah, I'm sorry, and I, I apologize. I know I'm just the guest, and this is probably going to be rude, but I need to correct you. Oh, please it's do. actually Rob Davio's ship oh. shape. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> if you, if you, and the reason why I say that is that if you look at the back of every card, for whatever reason, like they embedded Rob Davio's name in with the title logo of Shipshape. Mm. So mm-hmm. like literally every, every time you see Shipshape <laughs> yeah. graphic, it says Rob Davio Shipshape. Well, well it's, it's their actually, Masterpiece it's, series. They, yeah, they did three or four games from, yeah. from big name. From the Titan series. What, the Titan series, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 So and they it just it cracks us up and, and Rob, <laughs> Rob himself is kind of like, why did they do that? <laughs> and so of course Rob, we have to lean into Rob it and make sure that it's... I feel, like, I feel like I need to like adjust my tie when I say that. <laughs> exactly. <Rob> Apologies <laughs> well, anyway. for interrupting. But anyway, no, no, beta. please, please. Beta but anyway, is that same so so three so that guy. mechanic with ship shape, where you're stacking the. I'm sorry, that mechanic with Rob Davio's ship shape. <laughs> That mechanic with that game where you're stacking the tiles and they're square tiles with like sections cut out and you look down the top of them and to see what overlays, that is the same primary mechanic in beta. In beta, they're like super thin, uh, like super slippery. It's like a plasticky like a, it's kind not of. mylar. It's like the, it's a plasticky kind of, anyway, yeah. the tiles are kind of slippery. It's not like with Rob Davio ship shape <laughs> where you can kind of look at angles and you can see that's not happening, sure. nor is that a strategic part of this game. Anyway, um, the way this game works is uh, that you've got these kind of goal patterns that you want to create with 
you, whatever your beta color, I guess you could do it with any beta color. And so you're kind of drawing these things with sections cut out. And some of those nine squares have different colored beta fish on them. And you can put them on these common squares that sit in the middle to create the patterns that, that correlate with these for? pattern goal cards okay. and get those points. Um, and that's kind of the gist of the game. So you know that your stack is going to have more of your color fish on them. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you can actually score any of them. Huh. Doesn't really matter. All right. And so we only played it at two player. This game goes up to, I think, four. I think there might even be like kind of a weird fifth player that doesn't have their own deck of cards. It's like a whole thing. Mm. But it's a, it's a small game. It's from Synapses Games. It's called Beta. It's beautiful. The colors are super pretty. The art is super pretty, but it's just a it's a pretty basic, straightforward kind of strategy game. I mean, I'm looking at it online right now. It looks great. I because uh, I I love Ship Shape. I I love that game. Uh, I'm, so I'm sorry, much. I don't mean to correct Rob- the guest, but it's Rob <laughs> Davio's Ship Shape. <laughs> yes, uh, I love Rob Davio's Ship Shape, and so um, oh, it's out of stock on pre order on Miniature Market. Okay, well. All right. So well, it, it was supposed to come out in the spring, and I got an email about this game like four or five months ago from Synapses, uh, but we just got it in from Flat River. I mean, with all the stuff with Flat River Group and all their acquisitions and all the rebranding and stuff, it's possible that it's kind of oh, it is on around. it is on Amazon. Okay, all right, great. So yeah, there you go. It's twenty five bucks. Yeah, it's not an expensive game. Twenty twenty five dollars seems about right. Yeah. The cards, I don't think, are the same like weird waterproof material. I don't. I honestly don't remember. We've only played it once or twice, and I will report back, everybody. I promise, and let you know. So I, I don't want to say the whole game is waterproof, but those tiles are practically indestructible unless you're like really ripping at them. You know, you could put them cool. in the tank with the beta fish, and they'd be fine. <laughs> don't don't try this. At <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. But anyway, so that is beta from Synapses Games. All right, so Suze, you promised us at least one more. Yes. I got games for days, folks. Games <laughs> for days. But I will focus on one. Okay. I'm going to talk about Echoes. And Echoes is actually a little series, kind of like Exit or Unlock. Oh, sure, And sure. Echoes is from Ravensburger. And these games are designed by Matthew Dunstan and Dave Neal. Now, I, I'll be honest, and apologies, Mr. Neal, but I'm not as familiar with Dave's work. But Matthew Dunstan's one of my favorite game designers. He's done Elysium, and he's done Voyages. He's done the Adventure Games. He's done, oh my gosh. Oh, he's, okay. He's done so many games and a great designer. So that's really what attracted me to Echoes in the first place. And so right now there's three in the series, The Dancer, The Cocktail, and The Cursed Ring, I believe. And these are narrative puzzle games that are cooperative. They're just a real small box. When you open up the box, you're going to get some cards and a, a few cardboard placards. But each of these cards and the placards just have a simple piece of art on them, an illustration of some kind of object. Now, the key is here is Echoes, as the name may imply, is actually a sound-based game. So you need the app. And what's going to happen is that during the game, you're going to be scanning these cards. The app recognizes has image recognition. So it just recognizes the image. There's no QR codes. And then it plays a sound clip associated with that card or that placard for you. And then it is your job as a team to figure out the story of the game as these cards and sounds tell the story. And you're going to put the cards in order. And then you're going to, under individual placards, because placards are a moment in time. And then you're going to put the placards in order. And if you get all the card columns and all the placard rows in order... You've won the game. You've completed the game. 
it's really an experience. It's really just a shared thing where you're listening to these sounds, you're scanning cards, you're listening to the sounds, you're debating about, well, does this go first or this happened? Or you're having these little moments like, oh, that's what happened right there. Okay, well then, no, clearly that happened before this thing and over there. Table around and you're listening to sounds again and again, trying to pick up on, wait a minute, are those footsteps lighter than the footsteps we heard over on that card, implying it's a different person or is it the same part? Like all of that kind of back and forth that you get when you kind of get these collaborative, cooperative story games. Play huh. it's going to play in under an hour. Uh, unless you are, you know, really getting into it and maybe play it a little bit slower. But I've played through two of these now, The Dancer and The Cocktail. And I've loved them both. The Dancer's a little darker in theme. The Cocktail takes place in like a speakeasy era. Mm -hmm. And it's a really fun thing to do with a group of friends. We actually pulled out Echoes because we were going to play a different kind of exit style game, escape room style game. But there was too much copy on the cards for our larger size group. And it was just going to take too much work for us to all read the cards and, you know, look at them across the table. So this was perfect for a slightly larger group of people. We had five and just to play really quickly, really simply, but the story was engaging. The puzzle was interesting. And the hook of using these audio clips is really solid, especially because they didn't skimp on it. The sounds are good. The voice Mm -hmm. acting, is good. The Foley artists who worked on all these sound effects did like leaned into it. So there's lots of subtle details, lots of interesting things for you to pick up on. And I've just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. If I had one complaint about it, it's that you find you're constantly rescanning these cards. Arguably, it could have been nice if once you scanned a card, you had like a button you could just push on the right, app. Sure, yeah. Clean the cards constantly. But I do like having the cards on the table. It's not a game I'd want to just play in the app, although theoretically you could. It is great to actually have physical cards on the table that people are grabbing and moving around and putting in visual columns. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference in how you experience the game. And so I think it's really, really solid on that front awesome. as well. But yeah, Echoes, small box game. They're inexpensive. As long as you don't mind having app-enabled games, I really, really enjoyed it. Just check them out from a thematic point of view. Make sure that the theme is right for you. I mean, I wouldn't say anything's offensive or inappropriate, but some of the themes are darker and things like that. But I sure, uh, sure. really, really like the Echoes line, and I can't wait to play the third one. Yeah, I mean, that that was my kind of big question was about whether or not that content was going to be something that like you could play as a family. And I think you said the dark, the dancer is a little bit darker. I would not play the dancer with my... 10 year old, for example, okay, sure. uh, it does involve um, a death of a child. So okay. Ooh, um, that's rough. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's good to sure. know. But like mechanically and stuff, it seems like the, the concept would work well with a with a mixed generational group. Absolutely. And I, I'm looking at, you know, they have one, the cursed ring and uh, that I think isn't out yet. I mean, if that's more of a fantasy theme one, it may be perfect, you know, for for family more. Very cool. All right. All right. We will definitely keep our eyes out for that one. All right. Back to me, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. I am going to talk about another game that we got in for review. This one is called Get On Board. Published by ELO. We got it through Flat River Group. And as soon as I found out we were going to get this game, I was like, oh, I think I remember seeing something about that. Oh, look, it's on Board Game Arena. Let me learn how to play it before it gets here. So I have played rather a lot of Get On Board, and everyone else in the family has played it, I think, once. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, 
I really like the feel of this game. It feels a lot like one of the smaller Ticket to Ride type, you know, city map games. Well, I mean, Ticket to Ride New York is basically the island of Manhattan, which is, I think, what the, this well, is. Well, yeah, so the, the two and three player version of Get On Board is, um, is the island London, of Manhattan. Or two the, and three is, is the island of Manhattan. Yeah, and, and f- four, four and five, five you, flip the, yeah. you flip the board over and you get London instead, which is bigger. It's got this really great combination of a central board. Everybody's laying out their little markers indicating their bus route on the central board. It's got a communal card flip like say a welcome to or something like that where everybody is getting the same opportunities for their movement but it works more like a flip and write that you're scoring on your little score sheet and everybody's sheets are slightly different as far as what kind of movement you can take when so like there are these 12 ticket cards the game is exactly 12 rounds and you flip over a ticket card, and that is the movement that everybody gets for this round. But my ticket number six might be three straight sections, no turns, and Andrew's might be two segments with a required turn. Everybody gets the same number of segment options over the course of the 12 rounds, but you're not all getting them at the same time. Which leads to some really interesting puzzles of, well, I really want to go over there, But if I go over here instead, then I don't have to take a penalty. But if I go this third direction, I'm going to run into somebody else's stuff. And then I have to take a traffic penalty. But maybe it's worth it because it's going to help me get to one of these common goals faster. So it's one of those balancing all of the different aspects of it um, with lots of different ways to score points. And you have to do a variety to score well. I think the fact that this game allows you to break the rules and take penalties for doing that moves it from a frustrating experience to a challenging but fun experience. Yeah, I definitely, after my first play or so, I realized that there are very few things where if you have a specific goal in mind of like, oh, I really need to hit this one spot or I need to pick up this fifth student or whatever it is, it's pretty much always going to be worth it to take a penalty and be like, I need to turn here even though my movement would not let me turn here. Or I need to go straight here when my movement wants me to turn. So I really liked them. Like, you know what? It's going to be slightly less points, but it's way better than not getting the points at all. So let's go for it. It's good. It's fun. I'm looking forward to playing that more. Yeah. I might actually play it on BGA now. So. Yeah, you should. <laughs> so I can upscale myself and beat you next time. Maybe. <laughs> all right. Last one for me is going to be super quick. I have been playing a little bit more Top Trump's Match. With our eight-year-old, this is a, I mean, for people who know what Top Trumps is, Top Trumps is basically war, more or less, who has the better skill for such and such a thing. Top Trumps match is a little bit different. It's a kind of a clamshell holder and you open it up and it's got the stand-up board where you push out the cubes towards each other. Towards your opponent, yeah. You're basically playing Connect Four, more or less, although instead of dropping them out the bottom, you're pushing cubes out and placing the cube that got pushed out at you last turn into uh, somewhere into else. Spot. Yeah. Um, they have these for like just about every intellectual Eight property I could possibly themes. imagine. We have the classic DC comics. We have that one because it's the best one. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. Uh, and it's, you know what? It's fun. You can open it up. This is a really like, this is the game that replaces Candyland because I don't have to think when Hardly I'm playing really. Yeah. If it's the end of a workday and, you know, you've got a young one who just like really super wants to play a game, like this is kind of a good option for that because you'd be like, 
all right, let's let's play this. It also folds up into itself, so you can just take it anywhere. It's got a yes, it's one of those in. games that cleans it's up fantastic. back into the box, yep. which is yep. always awesome. I've seriously been thinking getting another copy of this to send to our third grader's classroom because his classroom teacher was asking for a bunch of board games at the beginning of the year. And there were things like Candyland on there. And I'm like, for third graders? Like, I mean, I know reading skills and stuff might not be great, but you can do better than Candyland. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's not like this, you know, incredible epic gaming experience but it's a nice, solid thing that hits a lot of notes and is is a good. My brain is melting because I just finished a work week, you know, game to play with your young ones. Yeah, so that's I top agree. terms match. Um, and I think that's uh, that's going to be it for uh, what we've been playing, right? I mean, worth mentioning, we played Merchants of Magic again. Yes. Maybe that should have wound up on our family ten by ten. I know 10, it since probably now it's should have. That game is really. Have you played that, Suze? Yes, I have. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. I acknowledge that I probably have an outsized level of love for that game. Like, it probably do. It's probably more than is reasonable. Well, but I think for you, it hits a lot of different things that you love. And it does it well. I mean, let's be fair. But it's got those fantasy tropes. And it's got different size and shape dice, which is always fun. And it's a crunchy, mathy roll and write. Like, all of those things say Andrew Smith. That's true. Although, I mean, you didn't mention my favorite part is just the way that those cards circulate. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can kind of see what's coming and you can kind of see the pool. So where you can try to maximize what attributes yeah. you lean into it. Right. I, I think that that's just a brilliant touch in the game design. It, it is super fun. It gets a little frustrating closer to the end of the game. When I steal all the cards. When I need to take everything. That part's really frustrating. <laughs> also, I think oh, I mean, it is. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So why don't we do that? We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, I, I guess we've buried the lead enough, right? Uh, Yes. Unmatched digital. I'm excited. Me too. We'll be right back. Knock, knock. Who's there? A board game. What board game? This board game! Get it because it's, uh, it's, it's got a, a, door, it's a door knocker, knocker on it. All right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is a snap review for Aldavas, Doris of Cartagena. Aldavas is a card placement game for up to four players. It's designed by Joshua Mills and Nat Levan. It's published by Grand Gamers Guild and takes about 30 minutes to play. So, Nitra, let's talk about the art in this one. I love this art by Juan Vargas. Look at all these different doors. Each colored door has its own shape and texture. Great attention to detail. Love it. Each profession has its own type of door knockers, too. The soldiers are lions and jaguars. The nobles are lizards. There's a bunch of water animals for the fishers. They're all modeled after real aldabas from Cartagena in Colombia. The other elements in the game are fine. There are cardboard coins and this dock for the market that flips over into a tiny little scoreboard at the end of the game. It's cute. I like it. So let's talk about the mechanics of how to play Aldabas. Every player starts with a vault and a hand of five door cards. You must slide one card under your vault as hidden influence to be revealed only at the end of the game. On your turn, you will take exactly two actions, but you may do the same action twice, or you can do different ones. You may 
take two coins. Buy a door from the dock, paying the listed price in coins and adding it to your hand. Or place a door from your hand into your block, activating its power and the power of any doors touching it. Your block may not get any bigger than four cards wide and three cards high. And any card you place must be supported by doors underneath it and to the left. So your first card must be next to or directly above your vault. You can also never place two doors of the same color touching each other. Every card you place has an ability. Some are immediately triggered, such as this Fisher, who lets you steal coins from rivals. Some are permanent upgrades. When you place a card in your block, you use its ability right away and the abilities of any cards that are touching it. There are three ways to end the game. The supply of coins runs out, the dock cannot be refilled with cards, or a player fills their four by three block. Then every other player gets one more turn. Flip over that handy dock to the scoreboard side and start tallying up your points. First, score points for every coin in your vault. Then, compare influence in each profession, both in your block and in your vault. Whoever has the most influence in a profession gets points based on that profession's scoring condition. And whoever has second place applies a less valuable version of that same scoring condition. So, here's some examples. The soldiers will score points for each noble in your block. Have the most influence in builders to score for each non-builder in your block. Fishers let you score points for the cards still in your hand, nobles score for each coin you have, and clergy scores for the influence in your block. Whoever has the most total influence will also get a bonus. And don't forget about the noble doors that give endgame points as their ability. What did you expect from this game? I remembered seeing a lot about Aldabas when it ran on Kickstarter. I knew it was a card placement game, the art was cool, but I couldn't figure out what door knockers actually had to do with anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the look of the cards. It, it, this door knocker thing is cool. I, people don't really use door knockers anymore. So there's kind of some kind of niche thing there that was really neat. I didn't really know exactly what the game was going to be about. The lion on the door knocker that's on the box had almost kind of like a medieval like Warcraft feel, I guess. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And so I thought maybe something like that, but I, I didn't really have a whole lot of set expectations. I will say that a small box and a relatively short playtime of 30 minutes always get me interested in the game. Let's talk about our surprises. There are a lot of layers to the game of Aldavis. You've got the physical placement puzzle. You can't put the same color doors adjacent to each other, but you also want to trigger abilities at the right time. Then you've got the influence puzzle. You want to come in first place in influence for as many professions as you can, which means trying to balance influence among several professions and paying attention to your fellow players and where they're building influence. And lastly, you want to make sure you actually have the right components for the professions that you're going to score. Nobles don't do you any good if you've spent all your coins. <laughs> and an empty hand makes Fisher influence worthless. After a few plays, we use the player aid on the back of the vault to help us remember how all the professions score. But we did forget about some of the other ways to score Whoops. the coins in the vault and the highest total influence. They're only listed in the rulebook and not on the player aid. 
Alabas is a game that's simple on its face, but hides real depth of strategy. Mm-hmm. We'd say it's playable by most kids probably eight and up because there's very little reading required. But younger kids are going to get frustrated by the placement restrictions and by the math that's involved. For older kids and adults, this is a great abstract game that can spark interest in another culture as well. Aldabas and Cartagena are a real thing. So Anitra, what are we going to rate Aldabas from Grand Gamers Guild? We're going to give it four door knockers out of five. And that's Aldabas in In a a snap. snap. And we're back. We are here with Sue Sheldon, and uh, yeah, I'm sure there are other things we're going to talk about too, but we're really excited about Unmatched Digital. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. So I, you know, it's funny, I, I, there was a like a top secret press event things, gosh, uh, I guess early summer, maybe, where Unmatched Digital was first announced. Right, yeah, I, that was a while ago. Yeah, 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 it was long enough ago that I don't remember when it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. And to be totally honest, I completely forgot about it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I was super excited about it then, but I think it was like Thunder Road was there, there was just so much stuff that was jam packed in that that I, I had completely forgotten about it. And then this week we got an email from none other than our inimitable guest, or at least from your email address. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, about Unmatched Digital, and we were able to get a copy. And we played some yesterday, and it's super a lot of fun. I'm glad you're enjoying it. It's a very faithful representation of Unmatched, which we already really enjoy. So, yeah. Yes, I got killed by Medusa. It was wonderful. Just like in real life. managed to kill Medusa, but only barely. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that you bring up, you know, from the time that we announced and kind of made it public versus when you've actually gotten to get your hands on it. Honestly, we had wanted this out much longer ago. But (laughs) the reality is, is that, you know, and and as you've talked about and written about before, restoration works very hard to make quality products. And that would apply to any app that we put out as well. And it just took longer than we had wanted to create a user experience and a game experience that fit the strength of the game unmatched. And so, you know, we did a lot of user testing in terms of just even the interface and how to make the phases of combat work and make sense to players, both existing unmatched players, but also new to unmatched players that might discover the game through the digital experience. And let's be clear, creating an AI for a game in which you can play this huge variety of characters against any of those other characters is a really complex challenge. And as we release more and more heroes, it's just like playtesting in real life. It becomes a compounding issue, but programming an AI is even tougher than yes. playtesting, right? To program all of the decision trees and branches for every scenario. It takes a lot of work. And so we put it off because we just weren't comfortable until we felt like we had a really solid base game experience out there. And so I'm glad that you've enjoyed it so far. And yeah, we wish we had had it out earlier too. (laughs) Well, I will say one thing that I am impressed about 
is that I, I think it's officially out on Friday of the week that this comes out. So the 16th, right? That's the, the 15th release. or the 16th. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I'll be honest. I can't remember which day. <laughs> the thing that impressed me the most is that you really did swing for the fences. I would have expected, and I mean, this is me complimenting Restoration, that the game would have come out with the rules engine in place, but not necessarily a solo experience in place, because I feel like that would be a lot easier to do. And then oh, maybe- would have. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, add that AI experience on later. But no, I mean, we, we installed it last night, fired it right up, and boom, I was off and getting killed. It was perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. You're right. Uh, you know, having it just be kind of online PvP would have been a much simpler app to release, but we just don't think it would have added enough value to compel mm-hmm. people to play digitally. Although we know there's tons of people out there that wish they could match make with friends across the country and things like that. And so we're really excited to facilitate that through Unmatched Digital, but we wanted to have that solo play experience in there. So I'm glad that that you know, felt like a, a fence swing to you. Uh, in part because we we know what's uh, required to program the decision trees for stuff like yes, that. So yeah, yeah we exactly. are software developers, so like we have we, we have a, a second level of appreciation for the difficulty that that's you're, awesome you've gone through. So we really um, appreciate that as well. So this week when this comes out, not every character in Unmatched is available in the game. So what? it's kind of just like. <laughs> It's sort of this module thing, which I think is really going to be important for people to understand how that's all going to work. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that a little bit just to kind of explain Absolutely. That? So ultimately, Unmatched Digital, we hope it's a huge hit and that we can put all the public domain characters into the app eventually. We are working on a lot of them now, but to your point on the early access release on Steam, and this is just early access. I really want to point that out. We're continuing to refine and improve the the game behind the scenes throughout this early access period. Early access gives us more player data to pull from to refine the AI and the experience overall, and we're really, really excited about that. But early access is just going to have essentially Battle of Legends Volume 1. So that's King Arthur, Medusa, Alice, and Sinbad, and then the two battlefields of Marmorial and Sarpedon. Now, when we're ready to push this to quote-unquote full release on Steam, we will actually also include the Little Red Riding Hood versus Beowulf set, which includes Little Red, Beowulf, and the Hailrot map as well. So the base game will actually have two base games of the physical unmatched set. But for early access, it's just going to have Battle of Legends Volume 1. So that's what people will see. Now, if you purchase the base game in early access, when Little Red comes out, it will just be added. You won't have to pay more for Little Red. When the the app updates the full release, you'll just get that extra content. But Andrew, thanks for asking about kind of the release schedule and the release plan. We do have a lot more content in the works. We understand that games like this, the more characters and heroes you have, the more fun it is to play, right? So we want to give people that. So we do have Bigfoot, Robin Hood, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, Invisible Man, and Jekyll and Hyde all in the works, as well as four more battlefields. And we wanted to give people options, right? We want it to be affordable, but we also want to give people tons of great stuff. And we also want to make it easy for them to pick up tons of great stuff, right? So folks are going to have a choice. They will be able to pick up all of these things individually, kind of at their own pace, if they just kind of want to lean into learning Jekyll and Hyde. They can just buy Jekyll and Hyde and add that hero when he's released. Or 
we are offering what we call a season pass. And if you purchase the season pass, as new heroes and new battlefields are released, you'll just get them. They're all included in the season pass. And of course, from a pricing structure, the season pass cumulatively will be the most cost-effective way to pick up all of this new content as it rolls out over 2023. But ultimately, it's going to be up to people on you know how much they love Unmatched, what their budget is, how they prefer to pick up game content, etc. We wanted to offer that flexibility. Sure, that makes sense to me. Okay, so we mentioned that uh, right now it's on Steam, early access for Steam. What are the release plans for other platforms? One of the things we really loved about partnering with Acrum Digital is that Acrum has this history of releasing their apps on multiple platforms. So they're very comfortable developing for the various places that people want to play. I mean, personally, at this point, I'm playing board game apps on my iPad, on my Mm -hmm. Nintendo Switch, and on my computer. I actually prefer it on my iPad. So ultimately, Unmatched Digital will be available on Steam, iOS, Android, and for Nintendo Switch. And what's going to happen is that you're going to be able to create an account so that if you buy the app on Steam, but you also want it mobile on, you know, your iPad, and then you buy the app on iOS, you know, your account stat will carry over. But more importantly, if you play on your computer, and I prefer to play on my iPad, but we can play against each other because it'll be fully cross-platform compatible in terms of competitive play. Very cool. So do you know yet what your target time frame is for the game to end up on other platforms? It's a fair question and the answer is no. I suspect I it will be <laughs> I suspect it will be early 2023. We're going to give early access a little bit of time. We're continuing to develop the characters that are going to release in the future behind the scenes and we want to make sure that we have those in a really good state before we start rolling them out. And so I am hoping for Q1 of 2023 for the full release on Steam to open up and then at that point hopefully we can also be looking at releasing on the mobile platforms and right. potentially for Nintendo Switch at the same time. But without a doubt, if you want to play in Match Digital, Steam is going to be the earliest way that you're going to be able to play all of that content. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Yet another feather in the cap for buying a Steam Deck. Oh, yeah. Right. I know. I know. Anyway, anyway, I digress. You know, we were talking before we started recording, and uh, I almost wish that we had just recorded that whole bit. But uh, we were talking about other different ways in which like the unmatched community exists in The digital space on computers. So for people who have maybe played the game, I mean, we have talked about just about every set on the podcast that has come out. I think we've reviewed, I think three sets. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. So I know that there are people that have heard us talk about how much we love this game, but it's very, very possible that some of them don't realize that there is, for example, an incredibly robust discord community for Unmatched. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. And it's really humbling to have such an incredible fan base who Mm. loves your game and, quite frankly, plays it to a depth and a level that I personally could never even (laughs) dare to accomplish. In Mm -hmm. fact, I hung out and some of these avid fans arranged a meetup and a get together at Gen Con. And, you know, so we were there and and interacting and stuff like that. And I'm listening to these guys talk about how they play Unmatched. And I have no idea what they're talking about. Right? (laughs) They they are talking about, they know every card, every deck composition. They know how they would personally tweak a card to make it better or make it, you know, to nerf it and things like that. 
And it's a lot of fun and it's really rewarding and it's mind blowing to me. So yeah, we have, you know, we have a Reddit that is run by one of the fans. That's really, really great. A subreddit that's dedicated to Unmatched. We also have this phenomenal Discord community that's owned by Restoration that has over like 2000 plus people just talking about Unmatched. And beyond talking about Unmatched, they also are arranging how to play together online. We do have a free TTS module that lets you play a number of the heroes on TTS. So a lot of people will organize that. There's a system called Vorpal Board that the Unmatched community has really latched onto and enjoys playing Unmatched against each other via Vorpal Board. And so you'll see that in the Discord, people arranging all of that kind of play. We do teases and spoilers because, again, these are some of our best and most avid fans. And it's really fun get that energy when we start to tease things about upcoming sets and the enthusiasm is just awesome. If anybody is really into Unmatched, it's definitely worth checking out and considering joining. We work very hard to keep the community safe and inclusive and welcoming. I have found that as we get players who are maybe a little newer to the game, a lot of the conversation can get very deep and very strategic And then when somebody says, well, I'm new, you just kind of see these floods of like, welcome. And, you know, if you have questions, let us know. Or if you want to do a test match, you know, jump into this channel and all this other stuff. So I really love that it feels like even newer players to the system can jump in, get advice, get games going, ask questions. And the community itself responds and kind of embraces that. And I think that's something I'm very, very happy with and very, very proud of. That's fantastic. I've definitely seen a few other board game and card game communities where there's a big following who've been doing it for a while. And they're like, oh, well, the newbie, you go over <laughs> there sure. and don't bother us. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to hear that that's has not been the experience you've seen in the unmatched community. That's yeah, so we well. would never want that. We're, I mean, you know, restoration and, and you know me, right? We're, we're very much about being inclusive and being welcoming. And we mm-hmm. love carrying that kind of core value over to our Discord as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully people will check it out. And we have channels for things like the Return to Dark Tower. Channels are very active as well as people share kind of like everything from their painted miniature sets to seeds that they found really challenging that, you know, they want other people to try, et cetera. You know, they talk about like what foe and and hero combinations are you trying and stuff like that. It's it's a great chat group there as well. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, and what we'll do, we'll put the links to the Discord and the, and the Reddit in the show notes for the show. If you want to find them, you can head over there and talk about that. The other thing that I mentioned, and I think it was in a Facebook community that I was in for a while regarding Unmatched, was the fan-made decks. Right? And the fan-made... Characters. Characters. Like, you made mention of, like, oh, I would adjust this card and do this or change this and do that. But the, some fans have come out with... I, the one that I mentioned to you that I wish that I could play, and I probably could, I guess, if I got my hackles together, is... um like Link from The Legend of Zelda right? as a playable character. And the artwork that he had cobbled together from wherever was absolutely amazing. And of course, Restoration makes some of those assets available, some of those unmatched assets available so that people can use the, like the iconography and stuff like that. Yep. And they, I mean, the cards look perfect. It's incredible. So the tool that a lot of people choose to use is called Unmatched.cards. This is a fan-created site. It enables using the icons and the card frames from Unmatched with permission from Restoration. Justin, who owns Restoration Games, uh, is 
very generous and very community oriented on that fact. So unmatched.cards is a site that people can load up their cards and their art and create these fan decks. And I think they've got almost 5,000 fan decks on unmatched.cards at this point. I mean, whoa, that's so amazing. (laughs) And, you know, some of them are a little goofy and some of them are dang good. And the community never ceases to impress and amaze me with how creative they are and how good they are at this stuff. Yeah, it's really, really, really cool. I, for one, am waiting for the last of the Marvel sets to come out because I want to play a Squirrel Girl. I'm waiting for that. That's what I'm waiting for. Squirrel Um. Girl is amazing. (laughs) And I will say that I don't think I've said this anywhere else. I don't think anybody knows this, that our approvals on the Teen Spirit set that includes Squirrel Girl are going very, very well. And so as that set moves into production very, very soon, I'm so excited to play it myself. I'm excited. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Yeah. Yeah. That- and don't don't sleep on Cloak and Dagger or Ms. Marvel in that set either because they're <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl were the two that we were the most excited about. I'm super excited for Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of the things you were talking about, that Link set, is how cool it looked. And, of course, Restoration really prides itself on kind of the visuals of Unmatched throughout the line. No matter the illustrators we have, the creative team at Restoration, Jason Taylor, Lindsay Davio, and Ian Reid, do an amazing job of art directing and making sure that the sets are gorgeous. And... I will say like the card backs of Unmatched are some of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. And the Teen Spirit card backs are absolutely some of my favorites and I'm so excited for them. I know. I know it's yeah. such a weird thing to get excited about is a card back, but in the Teen Spirit set, they're so cool and they they're just they fit the feel of Teen Spirit mm-hmm. so well, so. But I, hope I you mean, like but the too. thing about Unmatched is that Every character and every set is so well themed that it does even carry through to like the card backs and, you know, the tokens and things like that, where in other games, it might be like, you know what, we want to keep this all, you know, very clear that it's all the same game. It's all the same, you know, idea. And so... For that one, we're just going to go with something that's beautiful but generic. Sure. And Restoration doesn't do that. No. I am definitely impressed by your art direction team because you, you can see an unmatched set and you immediately know it's unmatched. You know, it's got that cohesiveness. Right. But everything is so different and so well thematically tied together set to set. Except for maybe the Deadpool set. I feel like some of those cards you might not immediately think unmatched. I, maybe. But- maybe. <laughs> But that's okay because that's, that's a special one-off, that right? Exactly. That's a, that's a special different thing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I think that's very fair, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I do really love how you know, even in things as simple as the card backs or the like, the health dials. Mm-hmm. There's almost like Easter eggs in a lot yes. of them, where you're like, "Wait a minute, that is very cool." Like, I, I feel like I, I've played with characters two, three, four, ten times before I've caught on to something in the art that is a nod to something about that character. And I just love that. I mean, it's beautiful and it's unique and it is a consistent art style. And it's also incredibly deep, which is something that I don't know that you find in stuff like cardbacks. You know what I mean? Like that might be something you'd see in like, you know, a set piece, but maybe not in. Well, I'm also going to say it's not stuff that you find in games that are really approachable for the casual gamer. Yeah, sure. That's true. Sure. 100%. I think one of my favorite details is the Invisible Man card back, <laughs> where if you look at it, the front of the card 
comes through a little bit in the card back in the top left corner oh. as if the card was transcee. And I see Andrew making this face. I don't think I noticed I don't think that. You've got to go yeah. check out. I'm going to go there like, right after this and we're going to go take <laughs> yeah. a look at those. That's really yeah. cool. To give you an idea of how much I love this game, I went over someone's house uh, a few months ago and they had a copy of Star Wars Epic Duels. And I was like, I need to play that game right now because of Unmatched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at. And you can see how that inspiration carried over and the influence, but hopefully you can also see the refinements. For example, mm-hmm. the yeah. boost uh, the boost number on a card is very much a factor of not wanting people to have dead cards in their hand. I mean, sure, yes. if your sidekick died, that usually sucks, although depending on, you know, Patrocles or whatever. <laughs> I was going right, to say, Achilles yes. and Patroclus, right? <laughs> not so much. <laughs> but now, at the very least, a sidekick that's gone, at least their cards can be used to boost the hero's cards, right? right? Yeah. And right. so it's never a really dead card in your hand. Little tweaks like that, right? As we modernize mechanisms and do mm-hmm. what Restoration does, makes us very proud of what Unmatched is mechanically. Ultimately... Unmatched Digital is going to be on all these different platforms. For Steam, the base game is going to be $19.99, and the season pass is going to be $24.99. So, you know, I know that that can sound like a really big number to a lot of people, but hopefully they see the value in the features and the content of the app. And then, of course, you can order as they roll out. If you choose to get Heroes and Battlefields individually, you'll be able to purchase those separately. I'll be honest, we don't have the pricing locked down for mobile or for Nintendo Switch. I think anybody who's into the app game world kind of knows the rhythms that oftentimes mobile versions are less expensive than the Steam versions. I expect you'll see the same here. So if you are very price conscious, that might be a better way if you're not time sensitive, you know, to wait. And, you know, I want people to play this game. I want them to get the app. And yes, I want Restoration to be financially successful off of it, but if Waiting for a mobile version that'll be less expensive than the Steam version makes sense for people, then I'm totally fine with that. You know, I just want you to get and play the game as you want. We really hope that this is a huge success because we have lots, lots, <laughs> lots more characters coming out in the game. So many. I mean, already, obviously, we have a lot of other characters that we can put in, but our Houdini versus the Genie set releases fairly soon. And I just realized I got to make sure you all get a copy of this, huh? I mean, it is the prettiest <laughs> set. It's so gorgeous. Hmm. Yeah, Andrew just made the cutest, like, oh, face. Well, for what it's worth, I will point out that our teenage daughter explicitly made her own costume based on Little Red from Unmatched for last Halloween. I think you showed me photos of that, didn't I you? Prob- I probably did. It was yeah. It was did. really impressive. It's her favorite character so far among all the unmatched we have. And she was like, you know what? Yes, this is a kick butt female character. This is what I want to dress up as. Yeah. So well, I was really I will, impressed. I will. I know somebody. <laughs> wait, wait. So we'll we'll talk later. I, I think I can. I think I can make that happen. But yeah, we we're really excited about Unmatched Digital. You know, we're going to continue to improve and refine it, and that's what we want to use the early access period for. But honestly, it has been years in the making, and a lot of. A lot of effort has been poured into this, trying to make it the app experience that our fans will love and quite frankly, make it the app experience that people who maybe haven't even heard of Unmatched before might discover and, you know, fall in love with the game as much as, you know, so many people have. Mm. And I'm really nervous and really excited to see the public reaction as this hits early access uh, later on this week. Well, I'm 
excited for having it. Well, first of all, I think it's going to be very damaging to my work productivity. Um, but, <laughs> I won't tell. I won't tell. <laughs> but, no um, one has to know. Andrew. I am very excited at the prospect of, of getting this on mobile devices because for sure. as much as I love Unmatched, like it's not a great travel game. Yep. And the prospect of being able to grab the iPad when I'm getting on an airplane and be able to play on match like against you oh, sitting in the airplane so seat next to me, like that so rules. Great. I am very excited for that whole thing. Um, one thing I do want to just do, especially because you mentioned Dark Tower, is just take a step back from the amazingness that is unmatched. And, <laughs> yeah. and we love, I mean, we love restoration for lots of reasons. Justin is like the nicest human being on planet Earth. He really is. But unmatched is our favorite title from restoration. However, let's look at like the next six months of restoration games and what can people be excited for? I mean, you mentioned uh, Houdini and the Genie, but outside of the world of Unmatched, just from restoration in general, what's in the pipeline? What's coming? Well, I mean, Houdini versus Genie is not a little, like a very, oh my God, this set is so good. And y'all don't even know what we've got still planned that's unannounced. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Anyway, so in October, we are going to be running a Kickstarter campaign for a game called Crossbows and Catapults. So Crossbows and Catapults Restoration has always solicited, hey, what games do you want to see us restore? And there's kind of a top five. Fireball Island was one. Dark Tower was one. And Crossbows and Catapults. Thunder Road was one. And Crossbows Mm -hmm. and Catapults is absolutely in that kind of top five echelon of games that people want to see Restoration tackle. We announced that we were going to be doing it. And then as we've been partnering with plastics engineers and things like that, uh, we're finally ready to kickstart that in October. And I'm so excited about it. There's so much work happening right now um, (laughs) behind the scenes. But one of the things that people don't know is we work with an amazing group of of game designers. Of course, we have Rob Davio. But Rob has all these connections from his time at Hasbro. And one of our team members is actually one of the game designers from Hasbro as well, named Stephen Baker. And Stephen's phenomenal. He's originally from England, so he has this wonderful little British accent. And he's uh, got a long (laughs) history of working with Rob as well. And so Stephen has been taking the lead on this. And one of the great things about Stephen is that he's an expert in plastics, of all things, plastic toys and games, because Steven was one of the designers on HeroScape. (laughs) And so with Crossbows and Catapults, one of the reasons why it's taken us so long is we wanted to make this a phenomenal kinetic dexterity experience, right? We didn't want to just throw Legos on top of each other and, you know, you roll balls at each other. So finding the balance of what did people love about crossbows and catapults and how can we flash forward 30 years and make it better? And so everything from the brick thickness to the height, to the shape and the design and the different brick shapes and how they can be arranged into different configurations and the miniatures and the theming and the setting and the weaponry. And for example, we were really committed to not wanting to use rubber bands as the tension module on (laughs) the weaponry. As a parent, I can't imagine why you would want to avoid (laughs) using rubber bands in a- Well, Anitra, I'm going to be real honest. You're both moms, right? Like, uh, 
I'm still not saying that you want your kids running around shooting these things at each other. But right. So the 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 level of engineering depth that went into creating what we are putting out there has been intense. And I don't even know if I could ever explain how much effort's gone into it, but we're so excited with the end result. You know, because ultimately we wanted a game that was as fun to build as it was to knock down. And so that's where a lot of our energy has gone into. So that hits a Kickstarter in October. Very excited about that. We are busy in the production cycle for Thunder Road Vendetta, which we crowdfunded earlier this year. And that's going phenomenally well. We're getting all the samples and the plastics in and things like that. And, you know, I I really hope Thunder Road Vendetta is a game people give a try because it's you know, I'm very much a cube pusher. I love my dry, <laughs> themeless Euros. Yes. Thunder Road is not that at all. And I freaking love it. I love <laughs> that game. And I'm really excited to get that into people's hands as we refine the production and move that onto the shelves as well. And then obviously we have more Unmatched. We're starting work on, um, we're, we're digging into Omega Virus, a restoration of Omega Virus okay. as well, mm-hmm. which should hit crowdfunding next year. So that's a little way out. I know you're asking about six months, but we're like ducks, maybe like where they're floating <laughs> across the water, but underneath the water, the little, their little feetsies are going bananas. And that's yep. us right now for sure. And, you know, for unmatched fans, I will tell you that we are going to be announcing something maybe early next year that is going to upend unmatched entirely in the best possible way. The version of unmatched, I can't even tell you how excited I am for it. Just <laughs> even from the people in it and the way you play it, mm, it's going to be good. So I will keep you posted <laughs> oh, on that for sure. Oh, man. You She's so mean. Like Come on. <laughs> well, and we, we kind of asked for it, though. Uh, we kind of did. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to beg Suze for information or Justin for information, I am sure that there are places that Suze is about to share with you on the internet where you can do so politely. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You can find Restoration Games. Obviously, we're restorationgames.com, and you can do it that way. So, you know, I do a lot of marketing for restorations, but I'm actually not the quote-unquote social media manager. Justin does all of that. And he's very active on Twitter. So that's at Restoration Game on Twitter. Talk to Justin on Twitter. He'll talk back. He's so friendly and open and really excited there. And that's all Justin out there. So hit him up (laughs) on Twitter. And then, of course, if you have specific questions, you're always welcome to email us. I'm Suzanne at RestorationGames.com. Or, hey, I'm just going to put it out there. You can always email Justin, too. That's Justin at RestorationGames.com. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to get fired for saying that. <laughs> please, please don't flood his email. <laughs> but, you know, we don't he, have enough listeners to flood his email. He's seriously like the nicest guy and loves talking to fans. So That's there you awesome. go. All right. Excellent. Anitra, there's places where people can find us online as well. Do you want to talk about some of those places? You don't say. <laughs> so we're on a lot of the social media at Family Gamers AA for Andrew and Anitra. That's us. And that's on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and the occasional TikTok. A great way to get in touch with us and other people who care about family games is our Facebook community. You can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community, or you can just go to Facebook and search for the Family Gamers community. As soon as this is available on early access, I will be throwing down the gauntlet and opening myself up to be beaten on, on Match Digital. Because why not? Hey, man. That'd be fun. Sure. Uh, you can always email us, Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. Head over to our Family Gamers and Play Games with Your Kids merch site, t-shirts and hoodies and more. It's hoodie weather. 
It is pretty weather. Well, not least, today, but at least in the Northeast. <laughs> at uh, thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast and leave us a review at wherever your friendly podcast subscription source is. You can also find us on Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. This is your reminder that if you want to send me weird food that I will eat and discuss with Anitra, because I will make her eat it as well. For science! (laughs) You can send it to The Family Gamers, 60 Auburn Street, number 528, Auburn, Mass., 01501. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Well, I think that's going to be it for us this week. Thanks again for coming on, Suze. It was so great talking to you and sharing our love of Unmatched. Super fun. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, Anitra, that's it for this week. I'm going to go play some Unmatched. Actually, I'm going to go look at the Invisible Man cards, and then I'm going to go play some Unmatched. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next week, everybody. Play, play games with the kids! kids!